Okay, we're in lesson three. We're in Romans chapter one. We're going to look at verses 18 today through 32. And what we're doing actually here is, well, let, let me show you. Let's look at verse, verse 18, the first part of verse 18. Look, look with me what it says there. For the wrath of God is revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Okay? So the first part of, first part there of, of, of verse 18 is a statement of judgment. It's kind of a, an introductory st- statement for really the next couple chapters from 18 all the way into about verse 21 of chapter 3 where Paul is going to talk about why all of humanity is condemned. So Romans chapter 1, verse 18 through 3.20 is a pronouncement on of judgment on all facets of humanity. So he's going to spend his time um, really talking about how every facet of humanity is condemned. So he's going to talk about Gentiles. That's what we're going to look at today. By the way, who are Gentiles? That's us. Okay? He's going to talk about the moralist. Okay, that's the moral person. Uh, and then he's going to talk about unfaithful Jews, and then he's going to just to wrap it up in chapter 3, he's going to talk about everybody, period, in case somebody kind of slips through the cracks, which they don't. Okay? So today we're going to talk about Gentiles. Now, I think this is a very important discussion, especially in light of the culture wars in our own country right now. For instance, a lot of Christians in churches today have this perception and have kind of been taught that for the last 20, 30 years that uh, we live in a Christian nation. Have you heard that? You probably still hear that. Well, the reality is, folks, there's no such thing as a Christian nation. Did, did, does everybody understand that? What? No, there isn't. As far as the scriptures are concerned, there's only two groups of people in the world. There's the Jews, which is represented by who? Israel. And Gentile nations. So in your mind, I need you to think in terms of this is a Gentile nation. Okay, now why are you bringing that up, George? Because we're getting ready to study Romans about why Gentiles are condemned. Why is that so important for you to bring that point up about us not being a Christian nation? Well, if you have in your mind that this is a Christian nation, which it's not, folks. It's not. Okay, forget our rhetoric for a moment. It's our rhetoric. Do you understand? It's it's our rhetoric. It's not the country's rhetoric. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? That's not what the country is saying. It's what we're saying. Okay, the church is saying. If you have it in your mind that this is a Christian nation, then you're going to react negatively and angrily to the shifts in our culture. Okay? You're going to react to that. Because we shouldn't be that way. And this is blah, blah, blah. You know? If you understand that this is a Gentile nation, as we look at the Gentiles here in this passage, then it's going to make sense why we're seeing the things that we're seeing happening. What do you mean, George? Well, we'll we'll go through the passage and we'll take a look here. You'll begin to understand, in fact, as you go through this passage, you become more and more convinced that we are a what? 
Gentile nation. So let's look at it. So first of all, okay, the, this is a pronouncement of judgment on all facets of humanity. Paul pronounces that God's wrath is revealed against ungodliness and unrighteousness. That's what he's saying here in verse 18. God is revealing his wrath against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. And then the word wrath means anger that is expressed in judicial, what, punishment. Now, how many of you have ever been before a judge because you got a speeding ticket or something and, you know, you maybe didn't, maybe especially when you were younger, and he was, the judge was trying to get your attention, you know, or maybe you didn't respond properly and the judge, in his judicial anger, maybe took away your license or something like that or gave you a big fine, you know, just to kind of get your attention, to maybe teach you a lesson. Do you know, do you know what I'm saying? Uh, that's, that's, that's what we're talking about. When we're talking about wrath here, we're not talking about a human wrath because a lot of times human wrath is an emotional outburst. With God, there is no emotional outburst. God's wrath is a judicial wrath. So, for instance, like I come from the state of South Carolina, and they have the death penalty there, and they do use it, not like here in Pennsylvania. And uh, so when they sentence somebody to death, that's not an emotional outburst against that person. That is the judicial wrath of what? The state towards that person for what he's done. All right? So when we're talking about God's wrath... It's a judicial wrath. Now, you're going to see why. Because when we go through each one of these groups, we're going to go through Gentiles today, you're going to see that God is justified in his anger towards Gentiles. All right, so let's look at the reasons of condemnation about Gentiles. Okay? Everybody understand who Gentiles are. Look with me. Last part of verse 18. We're going to go through verse 23. Who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because what may be known of God was manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that were made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things. Okay, now here's the reasons for condemnation. The latter part of verse 18 is the first one. People have chosen to suppress or hold down truth in their wickedness. The first reason why Gentiles are condemned is because there is truth, the truth about God. And what Gentiles have done is they have chosen to suppress that truth, to to ignore that truth. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, I mean, all throughout history, there's been a... All of us are born with an innate concept of God. But if you suppress that truth, 
so that you can continue on in your wickedness. Okay, now what do we talk about wickedness? We're talking about your sin. That's the first reason, is that they suppress truth. They, they belittle it. Okay, they ignore it. We see that happening in our culture today. For instance, it's okay for you to believe what you believe, but you really just need to believe that yourself, right? You don't need to let that be known. Because if you let that be known, that affects everybody else. It's, it's talking about suppressing truth. Here's what else. Everything that is needed to understand that there is a God has been exposed to them. So Paul says, from the beginning, everything that you and I need to know as far as there being a God has been exposed to us. Now, how do we know that everything's been exposed to us? What do we, when you guys, I mean, this is a beautiful time of the year, right? The crocus are coming up, the daffodils are blooming through, you know, the, if your deer aren't eating your tulips, they're, they're doing okay, you know. Uh, how do we know that there's a God? Just go out, go outside. You know, look at that tree. Look at that old tree. Look at the old trees that are ripping down in Clearfield. Do you know what I'm saying? Look at the trees. You know, look at, look at, look at everything. And it, it says to you what? There's a God. There's a creator. Because it just didn't happen. All you gotta do is look at yourself. You were made. Did you understand what I'm saying? You were made. So everything expresses, Paul says, that there's a creator. And God has shown, himself has shown people that he exists. God shows us that he exists. God shows us that he exists. That's what Paul's saying. Now, here's the problem. First of all, when God shows us that he exists, this is known as natural revelation. That you and I can look at the world, and all, all cultures of the world can look at the world and say there's a God. Maybe don't have in their mind who that God is, or truth concerning that God, but all cultures of the world say there's a God. That's called natural revelation. Now, since creation, God's invisible attributes are clearly seen in the world. So you, you can see the, the invisible attributes, Paul is saying, concerning God in the world. Now here's the problem. Because of natural revelation, men are without excuse for their rejection. So when you see a guy who says he's an atheist and he says there is no God, that guy really has no excuse. Because I'll be honest with you, even if you believe in evolution, it's a theory. And the problem with the theory is, is it's got holes in it. They can't completely prove their theory. Did you understand what I'm saying? There, there's no way. They've not found the in-between cases or seen anything like that. You say, well, yeah, there is, there is microevolution. Yeah, we would agree with microevolution. But there's no instances where they can prove macroevolution. So because of natural revelation, the fact that God exists, they're without excuse, Paul says. So here's what they do then. They're rejecting the truth about God, so they create God in their own images. That's the next area of condemnation. So even though they had a knowledge of God... They chose not to glorify him as God. They chose to ignore him. 
Even though they, they have this knowledge of God, they choose to ignore Him. They choose to glorify Him in their lives. So they're choosing to ignore God. Even though they have this knowledge that He's there, they're choosing to ignore Him. So, what does that do? So first of all, they refuse to give Him thanks. Actually, when you look at these verses, you can kind of see the slippery slope. When you refuse to acknowledge God, that kind of, you know, you acknowledge that there's any, you, you, you refuse to acknowledge that there's truth in the world, then you refuse to acknowledge that there's God. The next thing you do is, is you forget to even give God thanks anymore. See how it kind of slippery slopes? Let's go on. It's, it's going to get worse. This rejection led to their thinking to become futile, and their hearts became darkened. So, okay, if I refuse to acknowledge that there's a God anymore, and that God is the one who is the creator, and that there's a standard of truth, but I I refuse to acknowledge any truth, or any God, therefore I'm accountable to no one, what do you think that leads to? Well, I mean, ultimately it leads to hell, Danny, but what does it lead to now? If I'm not accountable to a superior being, truth does not exist. What do you think that leads to? Do what you please. You said anarchy, lawlessness, okay? I mean, basically, you are, you, it's whatever you decide for the moment, okay? Did you understand what I'm saying? Whatever you decide for the moment, you become the expert. You become the, the superior knowledge. You become the truth for that moment. Now, the problem is the truth is always changing if you're the source of truth, right? Okay, let, I mean, I'll give you an example. I'm sure that all of you are the same way that you were 10 years ago, right? 20 years ago? Right? Some of you, how many of you have more than one child? Now, do you remember how strict you were with your first child? you remember what you did not let them do, what you would not let them watch TV? And How many of you remember that? Okay. Now, I want you to think about your last child. Did you have the same standard for them? Well, I think I did, George. No, no, think about it. I've got four. I can almost guarantee you Hudson's watching stuff that the others were never allowed to watch. In fact, they tell me, Dad, why are you letting him watch that? You didn't let us watch that. You know, you know, that type of thing. You, you change. You, your truth that you, that you hold to changes. So if truth is based on you, you got a problem. So your your thinking becomes futile and your hearts become darkened. All right? Now, they express their foolishness as they boasted about their wisdom. So, hey, just stop for a moment. What What is one of the number one things that in our culture that we boast about a lot? Think about it. What do we boast about in our culture a lot? What, what's that, Tracy? Well, not just America being the best, but... What, what, what do we boast about? We, we boast about our what? Not just our freedom, but our, what did you say, John? Yeah, our intellect. How smart we are. So, okay, think about it. 
What do you mean we boast about that? Well, we're getting ready to have a, a presidential election. What's one of the big things that always comes out in the presidential election about how superior a candidate is? We look at where he went to what? School. We'll say, oh, he went to Yale or he went to Harvard. And we'll say, he must be a what? Smart guy. You notice they never tell you that he was a D student while he was there. Did you know what I'm saying? Because that doesn't fit with the motif. Because in our culture, we look at the intellect as being superior. And so what happens is, is that when you become the expert now, you've eliminated God, you therefore are what? You're the standard now. And so wisdom, you boast in your wisdom. In fact, isn't it interesting? Verse 22 says, professing to be wise, they've become what? Fools. Now, you know what? I've met some, you know, I've been in the college scene and so forth. I've met some very smart, ignorant people. Do, do, do you know what I'm saying? That, that's just reality. Okay? Now, let's go on. So here's what happens then. The foolishness is expressed in creating gods or idols in the image of animals. Or in our culture, we don't create idols in the image of animals. Our idols are not like idols like you would see in India or something. Okay, In Paul's day, the intellect of Rome and Greece, even how intellectual they were, they worshipped literally carved beings. But in our culture, what kind of idols do we have that we worship? Okay, money, yeah, money, yeah. Possessions, okay. Yeah, anything that we put before God. How about sports teams? Do, do, do you know what I'm saying? Seriously, do, do we, do we, oh, maybe I've stepped on somebody's toes here. But, I mean, do you think the Steelers are God? To some people they are. Uh, I mean, I remember, do you remember when Dale, Dale Earnhardt died? Do you remember that? Some of you, that was a traumatic experience, okay? I remember watching the local news, and they had this couple on, and they were wearing their Dale Earnhardt t-shirts, their NASCAR stuff. And I don't know why they, how do they find these people to interview them, okay? Do they put an alert out, we want to interview people? You know, they, they had this, and they were there, and they were expressing their trauma from Dale Earnhardt dying, and here's what they said, our lives will never be the same without who? Dale. Is that an idol, folks? Do do, do you understand what I'm saying? That's the Gentile characteristic. Gentile characteristic. Here's another one. Don't get mad at me. Hunting. Do, do, Do you know what I'm saying? Isn't that, you know, or the gobbler, you know? For some people, that's their what? Idols. Here, here's another one. How about your job? Or stuff. I think we already mentioned that. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? We, 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 uh, an idol is a substitute for what? God in our life. Okay? An idol is a substitute for God. So notice now, here's the results of the condemnation. Here's where, you know, when you have a culture, okay, so this is expressing the culture. Basically, they're rejecting truth. They're ignoring God, rejecting Him. 
They boast in their wisdom. And they substitute all these other idols for God. Sounds like our culture, right? Here's what happens when you have a culture that goes in that direction. Here's what happens. Look with me, verse 24 to 32. Basically, they're abandoned to sexual immorality. Here's what he says. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their bodies, in the lusts of their hearts, to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use of what is against nature. Likewise also men, leaving the natural use of a woman, burned in their lust for one another. Men, with men, committing what is shameful, receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which is due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do the things which are not fitting, being filled with unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventor of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who, knowing the righteous judgment of God and that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but approve of those who practice them. That's the result. When you remove God, when you remove truth from your life, you understand, this is what Gentiles do. When you remove God, you remove truth, you remove any standard, and you, you, you supplant it with your own wisdom and with your own idols that you create for yourselves. The result is a path towards sexual immorality. That's what he's saying here. So let's talk about that. So first of all, they're abandoned to sexual immorality. Because they chose to reject God, God abandoned them to their impure desires. So here's what what Paul's saying. Because they chose to remove themselves from God, God says to the Gentiles, okay, fine, you go on your own then. Okay? Now, how many of you, I used to hear this passage of, and I've heard people say, oh, I'm so afraid. I remember people being counseled who were into sin, and they're saying, oh, I'm so afraid God's going to give me over to a reprobate mind. Have you ever heard that about being given over to a reprobate mind? I've heard that before. That's not what it's talking about here. What he's saying here is the Gentiles have already been given over to a reprobate mind. Did you understand what I'm saying? They've already, because of their rejection of God, God has given them over to pursue what they want. It's kind of like saying, all right, go ahead, you do your thing. You go ahead, you suffer the consequences for it. I mean, sometimes parents, you do that, right? You know, you, when you get to the point with your adult children, you say, okay, you just go ahead, you're going to do it. Go ahead. You suffer the kind. That's what God's doing here. You want to reject me. You want to reject my truth. You go ahead. Okay? You go ahead. So, because they chose to reject God, God abandoned them to their impure desires. Alright? Now, 
because they are pursuing impure sexual desires, they are dishonoring their bodies. That's what Paul's saying here. Because they're pursuing whatever they want. They're dishonoring their bodies. Did you understand what I'm saying? They're dishonoring themselves. That's the result here, the condemnation. So then he goes on and he says, this is due to the fact that they have chosen to worship creation rather than the creator. This is due to the fact that they have chosen to worship creation rather than the creator. Now let's stop for a moment. Think about our culture for a moment. What sells products? Is that, would everybody agree with that? I mean, I mean, I remember when Walmart used to use store people for their models, and that was their, there was their marketing thing, okay? Maybe they still do, but have you noticed that, have you never, have you never seen anybody missing their teeth advertising some product? Do you know what I'm saying? Have you ever noticed that, you know, people who, who've got weird hair advertising a product? No, when you ride around town and you see a billboard, what kind of people are there that are advertising products? They're what? Beautiful. They're perfect. We emulate, just to be honest with you, we emulate in our culture perfection, right? Okay? Why do you think our young girls, teenage girls, struggle with what? Anorexia. Eating disorders. Because of what? The, the, the pressure from our culture on what perfection is. So what we have is a culture that has lifted up and made a God out of what? Sexuality. Okay? Has made a God out of sexuality. And so is it any wonder that sex is so prominent in our, in our culture? Okay? Sex is so prominent because we can do, you can do whatever you want. In fact, think about it now. I mean, this is the shift that's happening. If you guys aren't paying attention to the news, you really need to. You don't need to get angry by things, but you need to be aware of what's happening to your culture. So how many of you saw the uproar about the Indiana law? Yeah, you saw that in the news about the Indiana law? Now, the Indiana law had nothing to do with sexuality in it, but except that it was going to what? Make sure that people had what? Religious freedom. It created a big uproar. If you guys didn't see that, there was a seismic shift in our culture that already had taken place, but what the Indiana law was revealed it, and here's what it revealed, that your sexuality is more important than somebody else's what? Religious beliefs. Really? That's what it is in America now. Do you understand? Your sexuality is more important than somebody else's religious beliefs. That's just reality. Think about that, folks. That's, you say, well, can we change? No, that's the shift has already happened. We've already happened. All that did was just reveal that the shift has taken place. Okay? Why? Because we're Gentiles. This is where we go when we're Gentiles. Let's go on. Because they've chosen to worship creation over the Creator... They have abandoned a sexual perversion. Now, you may say, well, you know, yeah, well, that's your viewpoint. No, that's the Bible's viewpoint. Anything out of a relationship between a man and woman in marriage is what? Sexual perversion, sexual immorality. 
Period. That's what it says. Okay? Anything out of the bond of marriage that God had established. See, first of all, can I remind you, God created sex. So, he created sex to be enjoyed, but to be enjoyed where? In the bonds of marriage. So anything outside of that is called sexual immorality. Okay? So what they've done here, because we've chosen to worship creation and our feelings and what we want and our desires, we've been given over to do whatever sexually. Alright, so let's continue on. Now, so because creation is placed above God, Truth in God, homosexuality becomes normal. But just stop for a moment. I, I want you to think with me for a moment. I mean, yeah, you might be repulsed by the way our culture is going, and you might be repulsed by the whole same-sex marriage thing and everything. But the, here's the problem, guys. It's only natural that we go that way. And it's not like that hasn't existed. Like all of a sudden, out of nowhere, appeared all these homosexuals. Folks, it's been there from the very beginning. How do you know that, George? Just got to open up the book of Genesis and look at what? The story of what two cities that got destroyed by God. Yeah, okay. Did you understand what I'm saying? So it's not like this is something new. So you don't need to go, Folks, it's been around. What's happened now is that our culture is saying now, it's okay. And everybody's like, you know what? We've known that they've been there. It's just that they were quiet about it because culturally it wasn't acceptable. Now it's acceptable and we're like, all of a sudden life changed? Nothing changed. That's just our culture. So don't let's get all freaked out. Do you understand what I'm saying? Don't get freaked out. Because we are what? A Gentile what? Nation. Did you understand what I'm saying? A Gentile nation. So because creation is placed above truth, so because human beings are placed above truth, isn't that what our culture is doing? Homosexuality becomes normal. This only confirms that judgment will come because they pursued what? Error. All this is doing is just showing that humanity is condemned. What does that mean, George? Well, you know what? When I look at the culture, I'm not getting freaked out by what I'm seeing, this, that, or another. I'm not getting freaked out by what Washington's doing. I'm not getting freaked out because of this, that, or another. Here's what it does for me. It makes me realize that people need who? No, they need Jesus. Because they're condemned. Did you know what I'm saying? How many of you, you know, a lot of us have had people who have been touched by drugs or alcohol, right? Okay. And you try to help them, you try to help them, you try to do something for their life, you try to help them, right? And sometimes, but you understand, when you deal with people who are into drugs and alcohol, they got to be the one to make the what? The decision to do something about it, right? Okay. But there comes a point where you realize you can't do anything more, right? And so you say, okay, that's it. Little Johnny or little Susie, I'm done. You're on your own now. And you know what's going to happen. 
you know what's going to happen. That if they continue in that lifestyle and continue in that direction, they're going to what? Destroy themselves, right? Everybody understand that. But sometimes you have to let them do that. And you hope, here's what you hope, and here's what you pray. God, bring them to their what? Senses. But they're going down a direction themselves. This is what God's doing. It's when it said he gave us over. That's like a parent giving their child over. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Hoping that they'll turn to what? Back to God. This is what's going on here. This only confirms that they, they've been given up. Judgment has taken place. This is only confirmation of that. Do you understand? So, what else does he say here? They chose not to retain the knowledge of the true God in their minds. Why did they choose that? Because when you choose the knowledge of the true God, you realize then that your life is what? Wrong. You want to understand how to get people to have a concept of their need of Jesus? Have you ever, ever shared Jesus with people and they don't care? Yeah? Okay. Do you want to know how you can get them to understand that they need Jesus? Is expose them to the true Jesus, because when you expose them to the true Jesus, here's what happens. The reality of their wrong lifestyle is exposed. But see, when you choose not to retain the knowledge of God in your life, you're going to do whatever you want to do. And it's okay. It's whatever your truth is, right? This is where the Gentiles are at. So he goes on and he says, so they're abandoned to perversion. Because of this, God abandoned them to a debased or futile mind. He gave them over to their thinking. Professing to be wise, they what? They become fools. Did you understand what I'm saying? This is the point. The point is, is that they chose, because of that, God gave them over to whatever their thinking is. Do you know what I'm saying? Whatever their thinking is. So, Here's what I want you to see. In fact, this is supported in a couple of other places. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3 says this. Among those who all once conducted themselves in the lust of their flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, they were by children, by nature, children of wrath, just as others. Ephesians 4.17 says this. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you and I should no longer... Walk as the rest of the Gentiles do in the futility of their mind. So before you just are ready to embrace whatever the culture says you need to do, you need to understand that what they're saying is needs to happen comes out of the what? The futility of their thinking. So, okay, here's what happens. Their debased minds resulted in numerous sinful actions. Now, here's the thing. Okay. This passage right here is the number one passage people will use as to why homosexuality is wrong, right? If you look at this, look with me at verse 28. Okay? Verses being filled with verse 28 through 32. And in this passage is where 
we find out that homosexual, well, first of all, before that it talks about homosexuality. Verses 29 through 32 talks about the rest of the sins. Here's what I want you to see. Before you begin to use this passage to say that homosexuality is wrong, here's what it's saying to you. Covetousness is wrong. That they were given over to covetousness. Anybody know what covetousness is? That's a nice Bible word. What does that mean? Greed, wanting what somebody else has. Have you ever, have, I mean, like when you see somebody with their brand new, if you're a Ford guy, Ford truck, or if you're a Dodge guy, a Dodge truck, or a Tonoma if you're a Jap guy, you know what I'm saying, or a Chevy guy, before you're looking at it and you're saying, oh, whoo, boy, I'd love to have, that's covetousness, folks. Do we have a problem with that? Yeah, we do. Okay, let's look here. What else it says? Wickedness, sexual immorality, wicked covetous, maliciousness. I think we know what that is. I nobody here has ever been malicious to anybody, have they? Have you? Think about the last time you were at Walmart. You didn't like what the clerk did. Surely you weren't mean. Okay? Alright, here here's the other one. Full of envy. You ever envied anybody for something? Murder. Murder is not just physical in the scripture. Murder is the hate in your heart towards somebody. Strife. Anybody fighting with somebody right now? Maybe in your clans? Okay. Here's another one. Deceit. Nobody tells white lies here, do they? Let's go on. Evil-mindedness. Nobody's had a bad thought. Whisperers. You ever whisper about somebody? Oh, you text it now. That's okay. <laughs> All right. Um, backbiters, haters of God, violent, pride. Any of you got a problem with pride? We all do. Here's another one. Boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. None of us have ever had that problem, have we? Undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving. Here's one. Unforgiving. See, Paul's listing all of these sins here. These are what mark a Gentile. We're all condemned, right? We've all got a problem. It's all because we reject who? The understanding and truth of God. Do you understand? The understanding and truth of God. That's a Gentile nation. So here's what he does. He pronounces that those who engage in these sinful acts or approve of these sinful acts deserve spiritual death. It's not just that you engage in them, but you're okay with other people doing them. He says you're worthy of what? Death. Spiritual death. That's why Gentile humanity is condemned. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, now let's stop for a moment. You, you say, all right, George, wow. Why'd you have to show that to us? Well, Paul's showing that to, uh, to you and I. Next week we're going to talk about the moralist. The reason why he's showing that is, is so that you understand why you need to be saved. Because, folks, let's stop for a moment. I think everybody here is a Gentile. I do not think anybody here has told me that they have a Jewish background. Okay, so all of you are Gentile. Okay, you, okay, alright. I didn't know that, Nancy. Alright. So all of, all of us here are Gentile, most of us are Gentiles. Without, what, 
primarily Gentiles. Without Jesus, you're going in this direction. That's just reality. You would be going in this direction without Jesus. Period. And you know what? Oh, no, I really know, George. Yes. Why? Because you don't have God. You don't have an understanding of God. You're rejecting God. You're doing your own thing. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you're going to delve off into these sins. And that's why he tells us, like in Ephesians, that we need to quit walking as who does? The Gentiles do. Okay? Next week, guys, we're going to look at moralism. Now, what's moralism? Moralism is the person who judges another. Oh, Jim, I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you did that. But while I'm judging Jim, I'm doing the same thing. I have a standard for everybody else, but Paul says you'll be judged by the standard you have for everybody else. That's where the moralists, and we'll talk about that next week.